Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Here is today's special guest speaker. God changes lives. husband had split and she had divorced her husband and she was now living with another man and this young husband was devastated he loved his wife they had a little three-year-old daughter or four-year-old daughter together and he got her on weekends and the pain of his life drove him to show up at church one Sunday We had a children's ministry, and they had their own church service at that time. And so the, the little girl went into children's service, and the dad came into the main service. And God was speaking to his heart. But God was also speaking to the daughter's heart in children's church. And one evening... I got a call from our children's pastor, and he said, I'm, I'm giving you a heads up. You're about to get a call from a very angry mother. And he said, it's my fault. I turned her on to you. And I said, I appreciate that. <laughs> I said, what happened? And he, he, he said, you know, the dad that's been coming with his daughter, um, he went to drop her back off this evening. And when he handed his daughter to his wife she hugged her mom's neck and said mom I love you but what you did to dad was wrong and you needed to tell him you're sorry and she then proceeded to ask her daughter where, where did you what, what prompted this where did this come from and she said, well, we, we heard at church today that when you do something wrong, you're supposed to go and apologize to people and, and, and make it right. And, and what you did was wrong. And, and so he said, this lady called me up and chewed me out. And, and, and he said, I, I eventually just said, you need to call the pastor. So she'll be calling you. So being a man full of faith, I hung up the phone. I said, Gail Beth, if it rings... You answer. And, no, I didn't do that. And she called shortly after that, and I answered, and she was mad. And I, I just listened to her. I heard her out. I heard the pain. I heard the struggle. And, and she got done, and I said, listen, I'm sorry that hurt. If I were in your shoes and that happened to me, that would hurt me too. She says, what kind of church are you guys? I said, you know what? You know what I, I did here in all of this? I, I hear that you care deeply about your daughter. And you're concerned about what kind of church your daughter's being taken to. And, and if I were you, I'd be concerned too. I said, the best way for you to find out is to come find out. So she came. 
then over time, they both got saved. And then she moved out of the boyfriend's house, and they spent some time, the husband and wife, getting to know each other again. What an honor it was to eventually stand up in front of the church as they renewed their vows and got married. And fast forward several years when the children's pastor then leaves. Guess who takes over? God is a restorer, isn't he? If we just had the confidence to bring our mess to him. This morning we're going to do something um, uh, we've done it once before. It's called Five Minutes of Fire. How many remember that? We did it. Okay, half. It's, um, it's, it's based on this belief that I, I think that one of the mistakes that churches make is they too much revolves around the pastor. Pastor and pastor's wife, there's just, it's too, the ministry in the church is too centric on them. And it was never designed to be that way. And God gave to the church some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why did he give those five gifts to the church? so that he could use those five gifts to perfect the saints for their work in the ministry. We're all called. There was never in the, never in the in mind of God a two-level system in Christianity where you have the, the, the clarity, the, the clergy, or what's called the kleros, or the laity or laos. It was never meant to be that way. It was one body, one Lord, one spirit. We all have different roles. And I know that the same God speaks to me speaks to, to every one of us. And the five minutes of fire is those people that have let me know they're called to preach are given an opportunity to come up here and for five minutes share whatever God has put on their heart. They're not trying to preach a continuous message. They're not trying to build off each. They're each going to give a scripture, probably. And... Uh, and share with you what God has spoke to their heart. And then the next one's going to come up. I've got a timer. I told them this morning, you, you, you have five minutes, not five minutes and 20 seconds, not four minutes and 30 seconds. You've got five minutes to get up and, and share the heart of God with what he's speaking to you. And so uh, they're going to do that. And um, they're just going to go one after another. And the first one is Brother Andrew. In fact, this will be his first time sharing. Would you, would you welcome him this morning, Brother Andrew? Thank you, Pastor. If you'll go to Genesis chapter 30. Um, I'm going to share uh, kind of what God, a little bit of what God walked me through actually end up here working uh, up here at uh, the Life Changers Outreach of Ohio. Um, I don't have enough time to give my entire testimony, but I was originally born in, I was born in Ohio, and so this is where I'm originally from. My dad's about half an hour away from here, and so I had a lot of reasons why I wanted to be up here. And I felt like I had gotten word from the Lord that I would be up here, but when the center got launched, I was not. And there was a little bit of an inward struggle with me about it, and uh, the Lord took me to this scripture that I'm going to read to you, 
All right, just to give you a backdrop here, uh, Jacob is working with his brother Laban, or his uncle Laban, sorry. Uh, his uncle has tricked him uh, already once. He was trying to marry Rachel, but he tricked him into marrying Leah, and that he had to work another seven years to get Rachel. And so after he did that, he was ready to go. But uh, he didn't have any money, and so he approached Laban saying, that I'll, I'll take care of your sheep and the ones that are spotted and speckled, that produce spotted and speckled sheep, those will be my wages. So he'll, whenever the sheep uh, reproduce, the spotted and speckled sheep would be his. So Laban thought he would be slick, right? And he thought he'd be slick, and he took all of the spotted and speckled sheep that he had and gave them to his sons to, and took them off in a pasture far away and so that Laban would only take care of the ones that were spotless. All right. So starting at verse 36, it says... And he put some distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almonds and plane trees and peeled the white stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, and they mated when they came to drink. So the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face forward toward the striped and put all the black in the flock of Laban, and he put his own herds apart and did not put them in Laban's flock. However, when the strongest of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the side of the flock in the gutters so that they might mate with rods. But when the, flocks, when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. So the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks and and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. All right. What took place when when they peeled the peeled the the the, the bark of the the plants or the trees, and then they would put the almonds in there. What would happen is is that every time that they would drink the water that was in the trough, those spotted and speckled sticks would be in the water. So that every time they drank the water, they would see it. And what was happening was, was they were getting a vision. They were getting a vision of what, what, what they were to do. And so that even though they might have been spotless, because of the vision they produced spotted and speckled. And so when I was down in Tennessee, when God gave me this, and Bill and Megan can testify to this because I talk to them about this all the time, almost every day when I was down there, I started wearing my Ohio State stuff every day. I had Ohio State basketball shorts, I had a hoodie, I had a t-shirt, I had two hoodies, and I had a t-shirt, and I had like a, like a dress, like a collared shirt with the Buckeyes on it. And I wore them every day for like two months. Because, it, because I wanted that vision that was in me to be imparted to those that were over me. And every time they thought of Ohio, they would see my face. Or every time they saw my face, they would see Ohio. One or the other. I was cool with either. And long story short, that and amongst other things that led up to it, here I am. Amen, right? So my question to you today, what vision has God given you? What has he imparted into you? 
Are you taking, are you, are you, are you doing something to make that vision happen? You know, um, if you look at, if you look at vision, God gives us vision to encourage us in all reality. It says without vision, people perish. That means our destiny won't be accomplished if we don't have a vision to fulfill it. All right. And if you look at Abraham, Abraham was told by God that he would have, you know, all these offspring, all these descendants. But he had these moments where he got weak. He had these moments where he doubted. But God would give him a fresh vision. Give him a fresh vision. Look at the stars in the sky. As abundant as the stars are, so shall be your descendants. And if the, grain, if the grains of sand could be numbered, so will the number of your descendants be. All right. One of the things we can't do with a vision is just expect to sit on it and it happen. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So you've got to be doing something. This, sometimes there's a be still and no I'm God moment. And sometimes it's not. And this is one of those times where if you want your vision to be fulfilled, you're going to have to get up and do something to make it happen. And uh, I'm not sure how much time I got left. I'm trying to be as quick as possible. But, okay, do not allow your vision to be picked up by the enemy because you, because you let it get thrown by the wayside. Amen? Because if, you, if, if the enemy takes your vision, you'll always be just a pew warmer. Are you sure you're following the Lord? That was kind of good. I like that. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Revelation 3.15. We'll start there. Um, I'd like to thank Pastor for the opportunity to speak today. Good. It'll probably help if I actually had it up too. Huh? All right. <clears throat> I know your works, that you neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Great picture. Um, I actually read a story out of California. I, know, I don't know if anybody knows that they just recently passed a bill in California. Um, basically, in a nutshell, that bill says if you have any type of thing that will say you know, you're trying to convince somebody who is um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, if you're trying to convince them that they're not, and you're trying to counsel them to become normal, it's illegal in California now. Um, it does pose a threat against the Bible. Not going to get into a long, drawn-out story. Something took place in California. There is a well-known pastor that was down there, and he was having a, it's like 20-some years he's had this revival-type mission in California, and he had banners up in a mall, and the banners basically had a picture of him. He's holding his Bible like this and had all the information on it. 
one person came into the mall complained that they were offended by the Bible. So, to be nice, the pastor said, fine. He took and had all the posters and banners redone, removed the Bible from the image, and just had him on it and proclaiming that. The mall declined to rehang any of the banners. That's taking place. Lukewarm. How did that happen? How is it a situation where in this country things like that can take place over something that small? It, it was a banner to hang advertisement in a mall. That's not the only thing. Marriage equality. Abortion. Disney. Disney actually canceled a Christian music festival that's taken place in the park for decades. They just canceled doing it. No reason, just decided to stop doing it. Why? The bigger question is, why are we letting that happen? It, lukewarm. If you can't stand up and say something when something is taking place to say, this shouldn't be happening, but you sit back and watch it take place on the TV or you read it on the newspaper and say, well, that's unfortunate, and then you grab your cup of coffee and go to work, that's lukewarm. How did we get there? Revelation 3, 17. Because you say I am rich, I have become wealthy and have needed nothing. When we become complacent or we have comfort, and we're not pushed out of that comfort zone, we don't do anything different. We'll stay right where we are because as a creature of habit, we don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't want to step out into those things. That's, that's making us lukewarm. And this is exactly what Jesus was warning us about, was we can't become lukewarm. We need to be hot. And if you have to be cold, then be cold. But at least you can work with cold. But if you're lukewarm, you're going to be comfortable you can't be there. If you ever, some people like cold water, some people like hot water. If you stick your hand underneath lukewarm water, you can hold it there all day. But if it's underneath cold water, you don't want to stay there long. You want to warm it up. But if you like cold water, you're fine. But you can't stand hot. You've got to go one way or the other. If you're in lukewarm, you don't move. You don't act. You don't do anything. You stay comfort and complacent. And then slowly, these things take effect in our society. And we think that it's crazy that this took place in California. It's like, seriously? How would that? Listen, that's going to happen here if we stay complacent and we stay lukewarm. It's going to happen across this country, and it already has. You look at the laws that are being enacted. If we don't watch what's going on and say, listen, I'm not going to be lukewarm. That's not right. That's leading us down the wrong path. We've got to go this way. Or, hey, this is on the right path. I'm going to support it. Don't be lukewarm. Good morning. I'm going to talk fast because I don't have very much time. Uh, I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God. Uh, as I was talking, I was reminded of something, and I'm going to add this into my notes. You know, if you could guess how many churches were in Streetsboro, Ohio, how many would you say? How many would you say is are in the uh, in the county of Portage? Whatever, Just pick a number. How many churches would you say there's in Ohio? How many would you say there are in there's how many churches are in the United States? See, we've become religious. 
us Christians have become religious to a point. There's really only one church. There's all kinds of buildings and all kinds of denominations, but there's only one church. We have to remember there's only one church, one body of Christ. Uh, the kingdom of God, Jesus' message to the world was the kingdom of God. I know a lot of us think that his message was, you must be born again. His message was the kingdom of God. Let me, let me go on a little bit. During his life, he preached the kingdom of God. After his resurrection, he spoke of the kingdom of God for 40 days. Before he ascended up on high, he gave instructions to go preach the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? Many times to understand something in the spiritual concept, we need to be able to understand what it isn't. Maybe we don't get what it is. So I'm going to talk about what it isn't for a minute. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's not just words. The kingdom of God is not word, but it's power. The kingdom of God is not religion. But the kingdom of God is, and I'm going to talk about what it is. It's likened unto a, a treasure hidden in a field. It's likened unto a merchant man seeking. It's likened unto a net, a householder, a certain king taking account. It's likened unto ten virgins. It's likened unto a, it's likened unto a man traveling to a far country. It's the foundation of God's plans for man's kind, for mankind. The kingdom of God is the foundation of God for mankind. It's also listed in the scripture as its righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We, we the church, or the citizens of heaven, we inhabit this earth for the purpose of influencing it with the culture and values of heaven and bringing it under the government of the king of heaven. You know, we, we, we say these scriptures, I don't know how much time I'll have, but it, we say these, uh, when Jesus said, like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, sometimes we'll change that around and we'll say, the king come. We're talking about the second coming. We haven't even preached the kingdom of God yet. <laughs> uh, I don't know how I can get all this done in a short time, but uh, the remainder of the time, I'm going to read some good scriptures regarding the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. I'm saying they're the same thing. And I uh, can't explain that right now, but this is in Matthew. It says, And Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manners of sickness and manners of disease among the people. In Matthew, it also says, And he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become, and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, will humble himself as a little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then later in Luke, it says, And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Two more. The former trustees have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach us as an Acts, until the day he was taken up. After that, he had, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the kingdom of the kingdom, things pertaining to the kingdom of God. My last scripture. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Most of us in the body of Christ are thinking the end's coming, that we're in the last days. But have we preached the kingdom of God yet? Have we? I was talking to a lady, and 
If I get cut off, I get cut off. I was talking to this lady about the kingdom of God a couple weeks ago. And I took off my hat. I had a hat on. And I said, you know, I've been around for a little while. She goes, me too. I said, well, I've been around 57 years. And about 28 of them I've been preaching the kingdom of God. She goes, well, I was born in the 11th century. I know. In my mind, quick calculation, I said, you got to be 1,000 years old. And I looked at her with a straight face with a smile and joy in my heart, and I said, you don't look a day over 80. <laughs> she had to be there, but it was really funny to me. You know, if you're having a hard time witnessing to your family, talk to about the kingdom of God. Good morning. Five minutes ordinarily wouldn't get me started. I did stop wearing a watch a while back when I spoke, just to, just so I wouldn't give anybody false hope. Um, so I'll try to be quick with this. God has burdened me with uh, a passage out of Hebrews. I'm going to share it with you this morning. Let's quickly pray. Holy Spirit, if we've done this um, the way that you've instructed we should have put together a collection of thoughts and feelings that all point back to you and our experiences should all point back to the Father by your power and we thank you for that. So here we go and we love you for it in the name of Jesus. Um, Hebrews eleven six guys says that uh, without faith it's impossible to please him. Everybody knows this verse. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. The last part of it is one that we ordinarily overlook. Um, God has big rewards for his people. You know, what did you come in here this morning expecting God to do? What really and truly? I mean, you knew he was going to show up because he's already here. But really and truly, what did you expect God to do in your life when you came in and, and you sought to encounter him? Did you really expect him to answer back? This time a year ago at the Streetsboro Walmart, I met a lady that her nephew had been involved in a motorcycle accident. She stopped and talked to me on a fundraiser, and I felt led to pray with her. And as I started praying, you know, for strength and endurance, um, for the, the things they had ahead, God said, I'm going to heal him. And I was like, be quiet, Holy Spirit, I'm trying to pray here. And he, he, was, he, he said, that's not what I said, what you're praying. So, you know, I shifted into what... He had. I didn't expect it, but I do fully expect to encounter this woman again at the Streetsboro Walmart and her to tell me that her nephew is healed. It's a reward for seeking him. You know, she and I came into agreement with that. Yesterday at Midland, Michigan Walmart, I met a lovely family. They came out and stopped and talked to me for a minute. They were just so vibrant and full of life. Um, it was the husband, the wife, and a little boy. Little boy's name was Levi, and Levi had a trach tube. And as they were, as they were walking away from the table, they had a buggy full of luggage. I said, "What you got going on? You guys taking a trip?" I said, "Yeah, Make a Wish is sending us to Orlando. We don't know how long Levi is going to be with us." So I said, "Let's pray before you go. You know, Make a Wish is critical. Terminal kids, things like that." I said, "Let's pray before you go." Well, as I started praying over their trip for blessings and 
you know, praying for what they had ahead of them and all that, a prophecy came forth. And it was a prophecy that won't be able to be fulfilled if Levi's not in the world. And I spoke it out. I released it over them. It was a reward. Did I give these people false hope? I don't believe I did. I think I gave them a word from God. I'm certain of it. I know I felt it in me. I know they felt it because when we were all, when, when I was done, we all three just looked at each other and I said, that's right, he said that. And they went off and I hope they have a good time on their trip to Orlando. But you have to believe that that was part of their reward for their faith in God, for seeking him. You know, if God appears unapproachable or you think God is over here setting boundaries, it may be that God has set himself in a way that you need to strive to get to him. You know, he, he came down to Mount Sinai. The entire nation of Israel had boundaries set, except for a select few. Moses and, and, the, and the priests were allowed to go up. What would have happened if somebody had said, Yo, Moses, I want to go with you? You know, God, it, God doesn't really set boundaries to be away from us. He doesn't distance himself from us. He wants you to approach him. He wants you to be a, a, a seeker of him so he can be a rewarder of you. That's what it says. He's going to reward you if you come to him. You have to believe that he is, and you have to come to him for the rewards. And sometimes we leave ourselves out of the rewards. The things that these people and I have encountered on these fundraisers, I fully believe that they're going to be rewards of God that are going to be fulfilled in their lives. You know, what if one person had said, Moses, take me up there with you? Scripture tells us a couple of times of David turning to Abiathar and saying, let me wear the ephod. Let me put the priestly garments on. Maybe it's not conventional, but I'm going into the presence of God because this is something that I need to do for myself. And David was always rewarded with a strong word from the Lord, with the approval of God. So that's what you need to look for. You need to look for the rewards that your faith will bring. He's a rewarder of those that seek him. Some translations say diligently seek him. You have to believe that he is. You have to believe that he's a rewarder, that what you do with this is going to be rewarded. And that's the word that I had. I get five minutes too. Jesus said that out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. It's rivers, not, not singular, it's not a river, it's rivers of living water. It's living water because we're encountering a dead society. People who, listen, if you don't know God, you're dead. I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. Living, but I'm not alive breathing but I'm really dead and 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 we encounter living waters we we share living waters by by speaking out of the abundance of the heart the mouth what speaks so let me encourage you fill up spend time with God get into his word meditate on his word Read some verses. Ask the Holy Spirit to direct you into 
where to read and read some verses and, and then meditate on that. Let the Holy Spirit fill this up. Amen? And get it full. And then after you fill up, speak up. There's a coming darkness that, that, that is invading this planet and, and we are the light of the world. You and I, the people of God, are the light of the world. And I've thought about this week how that scientifically that there is no amount of darkness that can overcome light. If this room was as pitch dark as it could be, I've been down in a cave, you know, where they take you down into a cavern, and at some point they, they turn the lights off for a minute, and you wait there and your eyes adjust and it's so dark, you can go like this and not even see your hand in front of your face. It is that dark, but, but even though that dark is so enveloping and so overwhelming, you just light one little candle, and the presence of a whole universe of darkness does not snuff out the light of that candle. The light of that candle dispels that darkness. And so I want to challenge you to speak up. Speak up to your own self in the mirror. Remind yourself you're a child of God. Remind yourself that you're more than a conqueror. Remind yourself that in Christ you can do all things. Remind yourself that you are a victorious warrior. Remind yourself that. Speak life to other people. Speak up. When you see wrong, speak up. And I'll close with this story. A friend of ours, uh, Brother Terry Macbeth, he's going to be here sometime yet this fall probably and preach for us, but he, he's a pastor and he's a... Uh, he's, he's now retired, and he just evangelizes, but he, he had been wrestling in his spirit. He, he had a, a couple in his church, he'd known them for a long time, and he knew in his spirit that something was wrong, and, and they, they called one day and set an appointment to come see him, and he, he just knew something was wrong, and then when he prayed about it, God told him that they were coming to tell him that they were getting a divorce. They could no longer get along together. And so they walked into with office and, you know, they shook hands. They've known him for decades and sat down and he said, I'm going to do the talking. You can't get a divorce. But go home and work it out. As your pastor, I'm telling you, you can't get a divorce. Now let's pray. <laughs> and they were stunned. And they got up and walked out of his office, not even knowing what to say to each other. But they went home and worked it out. And they're still married. And they're still serving God. And all it took was somebody speaking up and saying, no. Would you stand to your feet this morning? That's our special guest speaker today at Encounter. All of our guest speaker messages can be downloaded from our website, godenc.com. Messages from Bishop Michael Rice are freely available on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter. We are